Hey everybody, you're listening to Orla's Happy Hormones podcast, talking all things female health and wellness. I'm Orla O'Flaherty, a certified naturopath and herbalist, and I'm here to talk about everything from periods, hormones, fertility, health, sex, energies, self-awareness, and just life in general. Here's to happy hormones and a happy you. Hey, and welcome to episode 44 of Orla's Happy Hormones podcast. And this week, I want to talk about something that's very dear to my heart. It's one of life's greatest joys and one of life's greatest pleasures. Food. (laughs) And the reason for this is simply because I started a new protocol, nutritionally wise, and I forgot how much I love food. <laughs> I have always classed myself as being a foodie and I I enjoy food. I enjoy going out for food. I enjoy cooking food. I enjoy feeding people. I'm a massive feeder when it comes to good, tasty, nutritional food. But I forgot what that was like because I had gotten out of the routine or the habit of it for so long. And being put back on this protocol it made me realise, not so much that it made me realise, I, I kind of had to look at why it was that I had gone off track when it came to food and how it was that I was fueling my body. And I had, like I said, forgotten what it was like to have to be creative and inventive when it comes to food. And looking at everybody's choices in why is it that we eat certain foods and do we mindlessly eat or are we mindful about our food choices are we using food as a tool in our arsenal for health or are we using it as a tool to to hurt ourselves or to self-sabotage so yeah this week i wanted to talk about food and it's it's one of the fundamental basic human needs in life and food can affect us either positively or negatively and I think because it's one of the fundamental basic human needs in life that we forget its power we forget how it can help us like Hippocrates the father of of medicine he stated let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food and that's so true because food real food like vegetables fruits legumes like real real food have phytochemicals they have plant chemicals that can either positively or negatively impact us before modern day medicine was ever around it was food and plants that was used as medicine now don't get me wrong i'm not bashing modern day medicine medicine i'm very happy for modern day medicine I'm very grateful for modern day medicine. For those of you who listen to the podcast and who listened to last week's episode, you know I spent a a full morning up in casualty. I was there for like five hours with somebody and I was very grateful for modern day medicine, for x-rays and ECG machines and echoes and everything. 
so I'm not bashing modern day medicine but what I am saying is that when it comes to prevention of illness we can use our food to prevent illness or as we can use our food to create illness as well as other factors like stress stress is one of the leading causes of major illnesses all around the world but that's why I love food because it has such a dynamic effect and before I start I'm not here to judge anyone on their food choices or any other choices for that matter like please don't ever think I judge someone's choices in food or life or any area because look we're all doing the best we can with what we have or where we are in life and what circumstances we have um, but I'm, I'm also speaking from a place of experience and knowledge in food from what we eat, how we eat and why we eat and how it can impact us either positively or negatively and when I say I'm talking about it from experience a lot of people they seem to have this preconceived notion or precon preconceived opinion of me when it comes to nutrition especially people who I meet in recent years they always think that I've eaten healthily or that I've always been thin or I've always been mindful of, of food and what I eat but I wasn't born a naturopath I wasn't born a herbalist and I wasn't born a nutritionist <laughs> and I've experienced life so like my history when it comes to food it has been a journey to say the least it's been a journey of ups downs ins outs left rights loop-de-loops <laughs> everything and even right up until now I'm 33 years of age and still my journey with food is just that a journey like I said I've just started a new nutritional protocol and now I'm doing it under the guidance of another nutritionist and she's a homeopath simply because healthcare practitioners we need to go to other practitioners when it comes to ourselves we we have too much information and we need fresh eyes to look at us to assess us to basically simplify it because when sometimes when you have too much information you can overcomplicate things um so i went to my homeopath who is also a nutritionist and i got a fresh assessment I also needed to let go of control. One of my big issues is, is control. I know where it comes from, but it's something I have to consciously work on continuously. But I needed to hand everything over to someone else to just tell me what to do so I wouldn't overthink or overanalyze. I needed to simplify it. Little did I know that I'd actually be put back on a paleo diet. I never thought I would be full paleo again. As I always said, I would never go on any extreme diets again because I've been on all the extreme diets. I've done paleo. I've done keto to an extent. I've tried intermittent, intermittent fasting to an extent. I did quite enjoy how that would make me feel at times but long term it wasn't, it wasn't conducive. 
then I did all the detox cleanses. I did my enema cleanses. I can't believe I'm saying that on the podcast, but yes, I have done the enema cleanses. I have tried them all, but when I was studying college, we had to try different nutritional plans so that we would know how they would feel for our clients going into them. We had to have a full understanding of them. So I've been there, done that, bought the t-shirt on so many extreme diets. I also did Weight Watchers years ago. I also did calorie counting years ago. I was also anorexic for eight years. I've spoken about this before. So I know what extreme diets are. I've been through them all. And as much as I loved paleo in the past, it did become quite rigid. I, it was used for, for health and it worked, but it did become quite rigid and more so in my thought process around food, my psychology around food. Because I'm someone who, had, who suffered with anorexia for eight years, it can be quite easy for my mind to become quite obsessive in certain areas, especially around food. Not so much now because I have actually fully worked through those issues. But once I started reintroducing certain foods into my diet after being paleo. Paleo was the last extreme diet that I was on. But in saying that, paleo isn't actually that extreme. There's so much that you can eat. You just can't have grains or dairy or potatoes or legumes. But when you are on a diet like that, you have to look at what it is you can have and you have to become so inventive. And maybe I'm lucky because I am a foodie that I can look at a host of ingredients and come up with something tasty. Because for me, like I said, food is one of life's greatest joys and pleasures. So I have to enjoy my food. But because I had gotten out of the habit and the routine of making good nutritious food with real food. I had actually forgotten how to do it. I'd forgotten how to cook and I'd lost my creativity with food and I'd lost my love and my passion for cooking. I'd gotten to a point where I was living off porridge bread and last year for a good seven, eight months, pizza. I'll get into that later. But because I was living off pizza and bread and I had started having cheese again, consequences occurred. My health deteriorated. And yes, there were other factors like stress, which has, like I said already, uh, is one of the leading causes of illness. But there were consequences to my food choices. One, I was eating foods that I can't tolerate. And two, I was eating foods that cause negative physiological effects on my body for the long term. And like I said, that paired with chronic stress over a three-year period, I ended up developing a thyroid dysfunction. And without wanting to go on medication, now this is nothing against medication. Again, I'm very happy for modern-day medicine. But I said to my doctor, I was like, let me, give me six months to try and reverse this. 
I made the bargain. I was like, give me six months to see what I can do. And if it doesn't work, then cool, I'll go your way. So I think that's a good compromise. But it's given my body the chance to actually get back to a place of ease again instead of disease. And I know that I can do that through food. Because there are foods that fuel us for health. And then there are few foods that, that cause inflammation. That cause illness. But when it comes to food, a lot of people classify it into two different types. There's either good food or bad food. And I actually hate this terminology. Food is food. And it has different physiological effects on every different body. Like nuts, for example. They're a great source of plant-based proteins and fats. And they're high in omega-3s. And they can work great as a snacking source. Or for sauces like satay sauce. That's if you're not allergic. If you've no allergy, yeah, nuts are fantastic. They're a great option. If you're allergic and have anaphylaxis, not so much. They can kill you. So there's a polarity in all foods. There's good aspects and there's bad aspects. There's healthy and there's not healthy. There's what will fuel you, what will make you poorly. So that term, good versus bad food, it's all relative to the person, but also relative to the consumption. Like having a slice or two of pizza and a glass of wine or beer every now and then with a friend, I would say is actually quite good for you and quite healthy. It's, it's good for the soul to socialize over food and drink. It's good for the soul to just embrace life. And again, the, the joys of life and the pleasures of, pleasures of life. For me, food is a pleasure of life. But then having pizza and wine three, four times a week like me last year, <laughs> not so good for your health. But when we start pigeonholing foods into certain categories, we can develop negative associations with them. Like I said, I'm a person who's been to every extreme with food. I spent eight years battling an internal dialogue around food due to having anorexia. From the ages of 13 to 18, all food was bad. Anything that went into my mouth was bad, and there was guilt and shame. Then working through the anorexia and the mind around the anorexia, I started eating again. But I started eating without thinking. I thought my anorexia was cured. <laughs> but then I started eating mindlessly. And I started using food as comfort. All food was good. I had a diet high in processed foods, takeaways, breakfast rolls, fry-ups, cinnamon nachos and cheese and hot dogs and popcorn and everything because for years I wouldn't let myself eat anything then all of a sudden I had all these amazing tasting foods that were everywhere and they made me feel good for a short period of time but then my endos flared up and cysts I started getting cysts again ovarian cysts I ended up gaining shit ton of weight obviously I went up to 75 kilos and I have a very small frame but I ended up being chronically exhausted and in pain and I went into a spiral of yo-yo dieting then only fueling those old habits of anorexia like I said it had been a journey 
it wasn't until I started college for naturopathy when I started educating myself around food and really understanding its role in how it can either fuel us positively and give us good health and vitality or it can create an environment filled with inflammation and toxins. And it wasn't until I started learning about all of this that I finally let go of my attachment to foods for losing weight. I was now looking at food to heal myself, to heal my gynae problems, to heal my skin conditions. It was food that I was looking for to help because nothing else was helping. Everything else was just masking problems. The pill was masking my gynecological issues. Certain creams, they weren't doing anything for my skin. And I realized that it was my internal environment. It was what was going on inside that I had to look at. But it was at looking through food for health, for healing myself. That when I changed my diet, when I gave up, wheat, dairy, sugar, yeast, gluten, I give all these things up. I said I'd give myself four months because it takes four months to have any long-lasting physiological effect on the body. Within a month, I'd lost a stone. But I wasn't looking to lose weight. I was looking to fix my body. The reason why I lost so much weight, yes, there is the argument of calories in versus calories out so a lot of people would say because I stopped eating all this crap food my calories went down yeah possibly but even when I was in Weight Watchers and counting calories I could never drop the weight that I had on me now this is just personal experience and speaking for myself but once I eliminated the inflammation in my body then the weight started falling off once I created an environment that was conducive to health, the weight started falling off. And the reason for this is once there's inflammation there, you're automatically, your your stress hormones, you're in, your body goes into a chronic state of the sympathetic nervous system is activated, which is your flight I lost the term there, the fight, flight or freeze response. And when you're in a chronic state of that, you're hanging on to excess weight. So once I got rid of the inflammation, things just started working naturally for me. But I never did this. I never went on to this diet for the purpose of weight loss. I went on to it for the purpose of health. But that brings me on to my next point. Food for weight loss versus food for health. Again, I'm just pointing out, I'm not saying either one is better. It all depends on your own personal goals. So there's no judgment here on what your motivation is. Again, I've been in both realms. But when you're looking at your food choices, what is it that you're thinking about? What's that predominant thought you have when you're eating? Is it how many calories is in this? How much cardio will I have to do to burn this off? Or is it what is this doing for my health? Is this serving me in a healthy way or is this going to cause inflammation or disrupt my gut health or my sinuses or create an environment conducive to health? When it comes to our bodies, we are either creating an environment for disease or for vitality. When we look at a 
plant. It's the analogy I always give. If it's not thriving, we don't blame the actual plant. We look to its environment. We look to its soil. What is it being fed or not being fed? Humans are the same. Certain foods create toxic, toxic environments for bacteria and information to thrive, while others create environments of wellness and vitality and energy. Looking at foods for weight loss versus foods for health, there can be a happy medium. In the weight loss world, it's predominantly focused on macros. In the health world, it's predominantly focused on micronutrients. Now, this is simply what we see online. What kind of bombards our, our senses is macros, 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 or micros, micros, micros. There's a, there's a whole gray area there. But because when everything is online, everything has to be quick, fast, in your face, we have to get underneath to get to the gray area. But when you combine both macros and micros, that's where you'll get that's where you get to the sweet spot. Now macros are actually really important. Like your macros are your protein, fats and carbs. So proteins are meat, fish, eggs, nuts, seeds, legumes, some grains, some fruits and vegetables. But not all protein is created equally should we say like not all proteins are complete proteins like meat fish eggs they're complete proteins plant proteins need to be combined to create complete proteins together but protein is essential to repair and build the body's tissues it's it's crucial for metabolic function it's protein that aids in hormone production and specifically the thyroid hormones which controls our metabolic function and our overall homeostasis in the body our balance in the body like from a training perspective from like weight loss or weight gain or gym perspective it's protein is crucial for muscle repair and, and gaining lean muscle mass from a health pers- perspective it's critical for overall homeostasis it's critical for structural stability it's critical for hormone production and even like healthy skin hair and nails but then there's like what are the healthy options like if you're not a veggie good quality meats fish and eggs Organic is best, as like mass-produced meats are, are given growth hormones and antibiotics, which are massive endocrine disruptors. Then organic nuts, seeds, legumes, rice, brown rice is a great source of plant-based protein, but organic. But when looking at plant proteins, if you are veggie or vegan, it's a matter of combining the right food sources together to create the complete proteins and then there's not so healthy options when it comes to proteins anything that says added protein so like your your protein bars or your your milk fortified with protein they're not that healthy because unfortunately they're just full of sugar and then soy products a lot of veggies and vegans use a lot of tofu soy products they're not the healthiest options because soy plantations are heavily sprayed with herbicides and pesticides, which again are endocrine disruptors. And soy also contains phytoestrogens. So if you are someone with an estrogen dominant condition, this will actually only aggravate it further. So look for your real food options when you're looking for protein. Don't anything 
in the shop that says added protein, leave it on the shelf, unless you're having it as a treat. Like when you're looking at protein bars and protein shakes, like, yes, protein shakes are useful depending on your goal. But look for options that have the least amount of ingredients in them, the least amount of sugars, the least amount of chemicals in them. Again, it's all a matter of which option is going to serve your health. Protein is a funny one, though. In the last few years, it's marketing companies have, have run with protein. Marketing is marketing is marketing it's quite funny very smart but funny but then our next macro we have fats like fats have gotten such a bad rap over the years again not all fats are created equally there are saturated fats fats which have kind of been witch hunted for the last 40 years due to heart health and heart conditions but consumed in moderation is okay like a healthier option of saturated fats or like your coconut oil, your raw butter, your grass-fed meats instead of, like they're not that detrimental. Just don't eat steak fried in butter three times a day. Again, it's, it's all contextual. It's all in moderation. It's the quantity. It's the dose. It's all about balance. Then there's monounsaturated fats. These protect the heart and support hormone functions and The hormones like insulin, leptin, ghrelin, as well as reproductive hormones, they're needed for the body. And healthy options of these are the likes of your avocados or your olives or cold-pressed olive oil. Then the not-so-healthy options are, don't kill me for this, peanut lovers, peanuts, because they contain a fungus and they're hyperallergenic. And then canola oil, which is actually rapeseed oil, contains trans fats, because of its production method, which in turn then become carcinogenic. So then there's polyunsaturated fats, and these include your omegas, your omega-3 and 6. And they're required for, again, hormone production and function, like, and to support the healthy brain and muscles. And like omega-3s are they're highly anti-inflammatory, but then unfortunately omega-6s are pro-inflammatory. But getting the right ratio is important like eating wild salmon and organic flax in moderation is a good call. Eating peanut butter for the entire day, not such a good call. Then we have trans fatty acids. These are the worst kind of fats. These are the ones found in most vegetable oils and takeaways, like your margarine spreads. They're basically a byproduct of a process called hydrogenation that's it's used to turn healthy oils into solids and to, to stop them turning rancid. And then when vegetable oil is heated in a hydrogenated fashion, it turns them into a more not-so-healthy fat, which then be- contains carcinogenic properties. They're also much higher in omega-6s, which is the pro-inflammatory fat. It's wise to limit these as much as possible, if not have them at all. But that's fats. Like, fats are... There are good and bad. There's some that fuel you and some that cause a toxic environment. Again, like everything in moderation, but choosing which one will benefit your health over the ones going to negatively impact you. 
And then we have our final macro, which is carbs. Carbs is another one which has gotten a bad name. But again, it's the type of carbs you eat. You can have pasta, bread, rice, oats, potato, sweet potato, broccoli, carrots, parsnips, the works. But then there's also sugar, alcohol and fruit. They're carbs also. But which ones have the better outcome for feeding your environment? In my opinion, vegetables. Locally sourced vegetables are rich in anti-inflammatories, vitamins and minerals that are going to boost your immune system, support hormonal function and cognitive function. I often used to be asked why I don't eat carbs and I'd be sitting there eating a big bowl of veg. Like, don't get me wrong, I love bread, I love sourdough, I love, it's my go-to in moderation, but I lost that balance. And then, so now currently (laughs) I'm not having it at all, but in general that's my go-to. But the thing is the problem with grains, like commercially produced grains, like one, the seeds are predominantly GMO, so they're genetically modified. And then they're sprayed with herbicides and pesticides, the likes of Roundup, which is a known cancer-causing chemical. And then they're highly inflammatory to the gut lining, which causes an imbalance in your gut microbiome. So choosing organic options is best for the likes of bread, pasta, rice and oats. But knowing if you have a weak digestive system or any sort of inflammatory condition or an autoimmune condition or gynecological conditions or thyroid conditions, these foods aren't really going to benefit you. And again, this is also down to the gluten component. Gluten is an inflammatory causing protein that if leaked through the small intestine lining can cause a heightened immune response, again, causing autoimmunity. But going gluten-free, like your gluten-free bread, pasta, etc., isn't really the answer either, as the deglutenizing process contains harmful heating and chemical processes. Like Using naturally gluten-free products is the most optimum for your health. But if you don't have an underlying condition or you're not gluten-sensitive, then by all means, if it works for you, then go ahead. Again, all in moderation. And look, they're your macros. And within your macros are your micros. All the vitamins and minerals the body needs to run optimally, like your vitamins A, C, E, D, zinc, magnesium, potassium, selenium, manganese, then your your flavonoids, your oligomeric paranthocyanidins, your saponins, your terpenes, and so on and so on. Like, these are what your body thrive off. It's eating real food that'll give you all of these. But then, unfortunately, eating food-like substances, even when they say they're fortified with vitamins and minerals, they won't, because these fortified vitamins aren't actually readily available to the body, or body can't absorb them. So it's knowing the difference. So you can make the choice of what you want to put into your body. Which brings me to my final point. Why do we choose foods that aren't helping us thrive? Why do we choose foods that give us that quick fix of either satisfying a hunger or satisfying an emotional need? The first point in that is addiction. Certain foods like sugar, gluten and dairy are addictive substances. Gluten and dairy actually attach the opioid receptors in the brain. So 
gluten, dairy and sugar are all actually as highly addictive as heroin is. So once we're consuming these on a regular basis, it's actually quite hard to break the cycle of that. Like even myself, like I said, I last year for however many months, five, six, seven, eight months lived off pizza and wine simply because I lost my appetite. When I lose my appetite, it can go very quickly. And then when I try to eat, it it won't work. I gain way too much stomach acid. So to get myself out of that, I had to induce a sugar addiction and a gluten and dairy addiction because I was wasting away. And I knew I needed to get weight back on me fast before I went into a, a downward spiral. So I started eating pizza all the time. Now again, there was a comfort element to it. There was an emotional response to it also. But... I had to create a sugar addiction to get my my digestive system system not working again but firing again I needed to feel hunger again and I did that process with the likes of pizza and other things but like I said gluten dairy and sugar attach the opioid receptors and that's causing an addiction so then trying to break that cycle can be really hard so that's why I'm saying there's no judgment here because I know how hard it can be to actually stop eating certain foods that are causing a negative response on the body and a negative physiological response on the body. I triggered massive gut issues in myself and my skin, I'm like a piebald pony again. Again, why I'm on my new protocol having to break that cycle. But what I'm saying is that it's not wholly your fault or anybody's fault when they're constantly eating sugar gluten and dairy because it is an addictive substance and it can be quite hard to break but it's knowing that where you could make the choice of okay I'm addicted to certain foods how am I going to break this cycle and you need to go into a, a detox mode from it you need to cut it all out completely that's if you want to do that and then again on to the next point of it is self-sabotage do you want to get rid of these foods out of your diet are you looking to improve overall health reduce inflammation reduce that overall stress response that lowering that sympathetic nervous system response it's it's all about choice and realizing what is your relationship like with food because food is a basic human need like we have to have food to live it's one of those addictions that can spiral out of control very fast be it starvation or be it comfort eating it goes both ways i've been on both extremes of that of those cycles i've been on that weighing scales that goes up and down and I'm at a happy medium now but when I say self-sabotage it's looking at yourself and asking yourself are you eating out of an emotional response are you eating out of a shame cycle or a shame pattern do your emotions get triggered when you're eating certain foods are you in the category of oh this is good food or oh this is bad food 
when we label our foods as good as bad we're not labeling our foods we're labeling labeling ourselves so what you'll find with a lot of people is that they're saying oh i was bad today oh i ate this and you're owning you're you're owning that emotion as in that's who you are whereas it's not it's right i made a poor food decision it doesn't mean i'm a bad person but unfortunately a lot of people go into that shame cycle of I'm bad, I'm not good enough, I'm whatever because they made certain decisions or certain choices and then comes the vicious cycle of you lean towards food again to comfort yourself through that shame or you starve yourself or you purge whatever it is, if whatever your method is when it comes to food. But emotional eating is a huge thing, our emotional starvation. And again, it's all down to control. When we are out of control in our lives, we try to choose things that are easy for us to control, that's within our grasp, within our power to control. Food is one of those things. Again, me coming from personal experience, when I had anorexia, note how I say when I had anorexia, not when I was anorexic, because that's not who I was. It was a condition, it was an illness I had. But it wasn't who I was. But when I had anorexia, it was a complete control thing. I would use food to control my entire environment because I couldn't control the world around me. I couldn't control my mind. I couldn't control what was happening to me on a physiological illness level, on a emotional level on a spiritual level like I've spoken about my life as a teenager plenty of times and you don't need me to go into it again <laughs> but food is one of those things that we use because we can and then it goes the same for comfort eating and because all those good tasting foods like your donuts, your pastas your carbonaras your pizza, all that stuff they're highly addictive substances so when you're eating them they automatically taste good they feel good they they're actually releasing dopamine straight away but that's because they're attaching to the opioid receptors so you're getting that hit that feel good instant hit but unfortunately it's only a fleeting moment and then that shame comes back in again and then you're reaching for that addictive substance again but again because it's an addictive substance your body is also craving it not just your mind but it's knowing the difference of which is a physical addiction or which is an emotional addiction. It's distinguishing those two. And it's when you can distinguish those two that you can move forward. And then you can start choosing what it is that you want for you. What choice do you want? Are you going to choose you? Are you going to choose your health? Or are you going to keep going down a spiral? And look, you can choose you and you can choose your health and still have a balance with a slice of pizza and a glass of wine or a beer or a donut or whatever your thing is. Me, it's pizza and wine. (laughs) Currently missing it slightly, but then not really because I have found my love and passion for cooking again. For me, cooking is meditation. Cooking is de-stressing. My entire life right now is spent in the kitchen, but I love it. But I also love feeding people, feeding people good, nutritious, 
tasty food but I've had to become inventive and I've had to become creative again and that's bringing me so much joy it's bringing me more joy than sitting down and just mindlessly eating bread or cheese or pizza or whatever and when I'm seeing all these colours on my plate literally all the colours of the rainbow I know what I'm doing for my body and I'm getting an even bigger kick out of that I know it's going to take time I know it's going to take four months to four to six months to counteract the damage that I did last year but I'm okay with that because I'm on the process and I'm on the road and it is a process and it's a journey and it's giving yourself patience and giving yourself time and showing yourself compassion and one thing in life everything is like instant gratification nowadays everything is now 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 but when you actually step back breathe look at the bigger picture and give yourself time and patience you're going to get a far bigger payoff you're going to get a far better outcome so what I will say is start off slow start off small go to your your supermarket or go to your farmer's market your local market and pick up a ton of veg and don't just boil your carrots and spuds and whatever start getting inventive start getting creative look for recipes online look for easy recipes online for me it's literally roasting loads of veg in the oven but with herbs and spices and pairing them with certain things like certain meats and fish and oils and avocado and pickled slaw and fermented veg and sauerkraut kimchi all these things and I know they may sound a bit foreign to you but once you start tasting and picking and choosing things that you like and combining them together like I said it food is one of life's greatest pleasures <laughs> and when you get that taste explosion in your mouth you'll see the difference compared to your ready meal bought from the store and in the beginning it's a bit like even for me starting this off again I was getting frustrated cooking so much and trying to cook so much because I forgot how to do it I hadn't done it in so long I hadn't food prepped properly in an inventive way in ages but then now I'm I love it I look forward to getting into the kitchen and I'm like right what can I come up with next what's gonna taste different now what's gonna what's gonna fuel me what's gonna help my gut what's gonna help my thyroid but what am I gonna enjoy and you'll notice that once you start incorporating real food into your life there's there's no going back really like give me my big buddha bowl any day now over the pizza yeah i'll probably want a pizza in a couple of months but like yeah once i remembered how good it can taste that's the difference and once i started choosing me once I started choosing myself and my health. So that's what I ask you to do, is choose you. Choose your health, choose your wellness, and choose your vitality, and see where it takes you. 
you'll be surprised at how clear your mind becomes and how much more energy and life you have in you and how much more positive things look so that's this week's episode of world is happy hormones on food i know i love to waffle (laughs) but i hope you enjoyed so for now happy weekend and happy hormones